Hello, welcome to today's episode of Impact the World, which is an Ask Me Anything show. So we asked you, our viewers and listeners, if you had any questions for me on really any topic and to leave those questions inside a review. So we have gone through the reviews over on Apple Podcasts and we have pulled the questions. Thank you so much. There were some fantastic questions and we've pulled a kind of cross section. And for any of you who would like to submit a question for a future Ask Me Anything show, we do plan on doing these fairly regularly from now on. So you can always leave a question for me inside a review on Apple Podcasts and then we will go through those questions when we get to it. But for today, let's have a look at some of the questions that we've been sent. The first question we had, I want to do an online business on diversity and inclusion to create courses and help the Arab community in that area. I have lots of blocks and fears that I'm clearing on the way yet the self-doubt still persists. What's your advice to me? Well, number one, I love that your vision and your idea is something that's needed in the world. So like many visionaries or entrepreneurs, you've recognized something that you want to bring that's missing. And what I will say to you is the self-doubt tends to just be part of the journey. So for me, one of the things that I learned early on is I was going to have self-doubt every time I did something that was a little outside my comfort zone, something that was new to me, something I was going to have to learn in a different way. But if I was willing to figure out what I needed to figure out, find the support, teaching, mentors, friends who could gather around me to help me get the skills and the attitude that I needed, and also to pay attention to the results. So for example, in your case, you might want to start small and whether it's writings that you're putting out online for that community, you'll start to notice comments coming back or people saying, thanks so much, this really helped me. And one of the things that helped me overcome self-doubt in my work was recognizing that it was working for other people and that there were a big chorus of voices who were saying, thank you, that helped, this really changed something for me the self-doubt voice that we all have is going to come up and it's going to be part of the process. The question is, do we let it stop us? Or do we recognize, ah, this is gonna be my personal growth. This is going to be an area that I have to be willing to grow. And sometimes a self-doubt voice when it's very aggressive, you know, if your self-doubt voice is very attacking of you, very judgmental of you, uh, it's traumatic to you, there will be something in your history, whether it's your childhood, whether it's events that you had in a relationship or a business partnership that are still traumatic to you. It might be that when the self-doubt voice is that big or that aggressive, you're really gonna have to look at the healing work that's needed to do it. So you might set sail on your business and find business mentors and business support over on the left, but over on the right, you might choose to look at your relationship to self-doubt as it's as a completely separate entity. You might say, okay, I'm gonna find a counselor or a therapist, or I'm gonna find online groups that really deal with the trauma of self-judgment, trauma of self-doubt, or people who've been through perhaps what you went through. And this is quite common if you had 
a very judgmental or aggressive or a, a parent that was perhaps uh, a little wayward. I know a lot of people who have substance abuse in their parenting, their self-esteem is often eroded because they didn't necessarily have consistent support from their parent because their parent wasn't consistent in their own energy. So depending on how big the self-doubt is, I would either really hold space for it, but don't think that self-doubt is ever going to be a problem with you stepping forward. It's just going to be something you have to deal with and support and nurture as you step along the way. The next question we had, when insight and intuition flood into me, especially when I'm working with a client, is this different to channeling? I feel as though it is, yet I'm also feeling that I could go much deeper if I felt that I was channeling or connecting to a guide, as Lee does with disease. Look forward to a little more clarity around this. I think this is a great question because one of the things I'm often asked, and for those of you that know my energy update videos, people will often say to me, are you channeling when you do that? And the way I describe it is no, not necessarily. When I teach the way I teach for energy updates or some of my courses, when I'm not directly channeling my guide's disease, it's a different realm. It's essentially me opening up my senses and my intuition on this level. When I channel my guide's disease, it's, it's not my world. It's not my body of knowledge. It's not the life I'm living on the ground that they bring information through about. They have a much higher viewpoint of everything, a kind of bird's eye. So for me, there are different stages. It's a little bit like going up a ladder. So if the Zs are at the top of my ladder of perception, then when I'm in an energy intuitive mode, I'm kind of halfway. So I'm occasionally getting messages or sentences from them. And with the energy updates, for example, I will usually channel the kind of six to eight themes for that month. And I'll get those sentences by tapping into the Zs, but then I will interpret them in the moment when the camera is on, because then I can also sense who's going to watch the video. Of course, I don't know who's gonna watch the video on a human level, but whenever you're capturing something like that, the future viewers, the future listeners are also going to be involved. And so they affect your delivery if you're working intuitively, if you're letting the words come through that are designed for that specific audience. So I personally don't see channeling as better than intuition. For example, there are a load of people who don't like channeling, don't get channeling, they're skeptical of channeling, or more importantly, channeling doesn't really do anything for them. And then there are other groups of people for whom channeling is the thing that really opens their frequency and helps them remember their highest soul self. So I personally think it's good if you can go up and down the levels. And when working with any client, the trick is always to meet the person where they are and to be with them. So you could be with a client who isn't really interested in high level channeling from guides and you might be giving them that information and they can't do anything with it because it's not where they are. So I think if you wanted to develop a relationship 
with with your own guides in a deeper way and you wanted to focus on channeling, great. There's something in you that's telling you go toward it. But I wouldn't dismiss or see as less you holding intuitive space. Some of the wisest, wisest voices in my life, they weren't channelers, uh, they might not have liked channeling, they, but they were really wise and they were really coming from an intuitive, heartfelt, human wisdom place. So I just think it's important to not necessarily see one as better than the other, especially because if you had 50 people in front of you, they're all going to have very different opinions about what they like, what they need. So this might just be a personal desire for you but I certainly wouldn't see what you're doing as less than, unless there is something inside you that's telling you, for me to go to the next level, I really want to channel my guides. I will say for me, channeling really enhanced my own intuitive abilities, and more importantly, perhaps, my trust of those abilities. Because the more we trust them and the more we work with them, the more they develop. So, hope that helps. I'd love to hear more about your own growth edges. What do you most cherish in your relationship with Stephen? What have you learned most profoundly in being together? And where are you being called to grow in partnership at this moment? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, what do I... Okay, so... What I would say I most cherish in my relationship with Stephen is how different we are and how much we allow the other person to be who they are. Because I, I think he would say the same. We've both had relationships in the past that perhaps weren't as balanced and where we weren't as sovereign, you know, in ourselves and in the relationship. Um, I think what I most cherish with him is that whenever we hit a moment between us where we have a kind of difference of opinion or you know, we've kind of lost connection in a, in a certain way or in a certain area, we're really good at talking and listening to the other person's perspective. I think if we, we've both said this to each other, one of our main strengths is communication. And it took a lot of years and work and, uh, and relationships to kind of get us both to that point. So I think we were lucky that we met later in life. I think that's one of the things that kind of glues and holds us together in a really strong way. But it's interesting that you say, you know, what are you being called to grow in partnership at this moment? And it's interesting you ask that question because what comes to me is, um, I think I'm just being called to be in partnership at this moment. We've both gone through a lot of growth in the last few years, personally and with what we do in the world and with our outer life. So I, I actually feel at this moment, the key for us to is to just be, certainly for me, just to be in the partnership, not trying to, for it to be anything else, or I feel like we need to settle together in the new phase that we're in. And um, when we've settled and when we've kind of landed in this, then maybe there'll be something else. But that's kind of what comes to me when you ask that question, so thank you. And, I've always got growth edges, I'm human, so there's always something, right?
I really like this question because I think it's so common to so many of us as healers, especially when you embark upon being a healer for other people in a more formal way. When you first started your career, did you ever feel concerned that what you say may cause harm in some way or felt a level of responsibility? If so, how did you transcend this? I'm about to launch my healing practice and although I have come a long way, I still feel that there is some fear around responsibility and doing something wrong that is limiting me. I have done extensive work around this, but I struggle to release these remaining remnants of fear. This is a really good question and it's a pretty loaded topic, to be honest. There's a lot that we could unpack around this. First things first, one of the things that I think you have to know going into work in the spiritual arena is I feel as a culture at this moment in history, we are very young around our understanding of spirituality. And so we're all too willing to give our power away to the first person that we meet who calls themselves a healer or a psychic or the first workshop we go to where we have an opening. And that's something that I think we all have to be mindful of. I certainly did it. You know, in those first few years when I was being activated, so 20 something years ago, I would glorify the workshop leader or I would glorify the teacher or the author. And, you know, I'm pretty lucky. I, I kind of got through that fairly unscathed. And I'm not saying that it's not good to appreciate your teachers. Like I, I'm so appreciative to so many people, but I think there is this thing that happens to us in our mind around spirituality or healing work that especially if we think we're new to it, we give our power away to the person who's facilitating. And that's one of the most important lessons that you have to learn. Spirit is everywhere. We are made of spirit. And more importantly, we're all having a very unique experience of our relationship to life and our relationship to spirituality. So I certainly know I've done this in the past and I see a lot of people doing this, trying to fit themselves to something. Oh, well, this teacher said I should be doing this or this teacher said for enlightenment. And it gets very confusing only because they've all got different perspectives and they've all got different experiences. And the power will come when you, you know, try a few of those on for size and eventually you go, oh, no, I'm, I'm never going to be a raw food vegan. I've tried it and it didn't quite work for me or, or I'm certainly not going to be that right now. But I see many people banging their heads against the wall because they think that what some other spiritual teacher or person has said is the truth is a truth that they should also be feeling and they're not feeling it. So they start fighting in their own mind, trying to feel something that either isn't for them ever or today. So the reason I preface that is this idea that you bring up around having responsibility. Yes, I had it horribly. Like I used to, um, God, I remember in the early days of getting clients and I did readings for 14 years. I was probably doing uh, my peak probably around 15 sessions a week. And in the early days, I would feel so responsible for anybody who came to me and asked me these questions that were very personal, very painful, very emotional. You know, the empathic, sensitive side of myself would feel the energy of their questions and I would start tapping into them. 
And then I would feel like I had to very quickly, oh my God, I have to very quickly do this. I was definitely in, I have to save them, help them, which is a really important stage as a healer. And a lot of us go through it until we can come to a place where we let go of feeling that responsibility. But the other thing I learned to do in time and over time was to try to help the people I was working with in those sessions or now in my video work or my workshops or my online courses, trying to remind them to hold space for themselves. So trying to remind them that I'm going to offer you something and I'm going to do my best to offer you what I feel called to offer you and it might not work for you and I really need you to trust that and I really need you to listen to that and that, that really is the work. Like, can we expose ourselves to an individual, a healer, uh, a teaching and recognize, oh no, this isn't for me right now and trust that. That's when you really know you're working and you're getting somewhere. So I think your sense of responsibility is very common. You said you've done some work on it, so that's great. But what I would do if I were you to help you with that is to always say at the beginning of one of your sessions, hey, I'm, you know, I'm really honored to do this for you. Here's how I see this. I'm going to do my best to give you something in this session and I really hope it helps. I might be your breakthrough. I might be your breadcrumb. We don't know. But take what's going to work here today and I'm here to support you as best I can. But to also remember that that person has their own free will in their own life and they're engaging with you through their own sovereignty. So they also have a responsibility. I will say that some of my most uh, wacky <laughs> experiences with other healers and a couple that were really difficult were the best teaching moments for me. You know, I came away from a few sessions and went, what the hell just happened in that room? And this person's ego was enormous and I felt like they were like combative. And But it was great because they were the ones that kind of woke me up and I kind of walked away and thought, nah, I don't feel right. Like I didn't get anything from that. So the very fact that you have an intention that you want to help is wonderful. But try and remember, you don't know how you're helping. It's not for you to know what you're doing for that person. That person might have a session with you and go, that was amazing, thanks so much. Or that person might walk away going, oh, I don't quite know what happened there. And three months later, they either go, oh, I see what that did for me, or you were just part of their process of breaking down the door of awakening. So try and take yourself off the hook as to what you have to do for somebody because what we're there to do for somebody is only ever 50% our business. It's also 50% their business. It's a relationship. Hope that helps. So this next question kind of goes a little bit back towards something I brought up a couple of questions ago. It says, can you please talk about the difference between the astral and causal planes? Another spiritual teacher on Instagram says that tarot and channeling come from the astral plane and that energy is dark. Your thoughts? Well, firstly, I can't really talk about the difference between the astral and the causal planes because it's not something I've ever greatly studied. Um, I do know that they say that the causal plane is, is slightly above the astral plane, but what I would like to address is the other teacher on Instagram who says that channeling and the astral plane are dark. I think the most important thing is for you to figure out what your truth is. So for me, channeling has never been dark. 
Um, I've never had that experience with it. It only enhanced and brought more light to my life, whether it was channeling my own guides or the few channelers over the years that I exposed myself to, not many, um, but a few that I really liked. Um, I would really also bring in here that the one thing that they have said and that I also have witnessed, because I've worked with people who've had connection with entities that aren't great, um, as above, so below. So in much the same way that you, you can meet angels on the earth every day and they have an angelic presence, they're really in their heart. You know, we also have some sociopaths walking around and some people who, who either consciously or unconsciously are putting dark behaviors out into the world or dark agendas towards other people. So I'm a big believer in trust yourself and trust your discernment. You know, one of the things for me with my guides was, did they ever judge me? Did they ever tell me to do anything? I'm a big, I, I'm, I'm very um, cautious about that. I've had many people go, oh, my guides have told me to, to do this. And I'm like, great, how do you feel about it? Do you feel behind that? Do you feel aligned with that? Because I've seen many people just willingly follow intuitive information that actually doesn't go so well for them. And um, I have a good friend who, uh, who basically told me that many, many years ago when she was studying channeling, um, her guides told her to go and get an apple and to eat it. So she did. And then after she'd done it, her guide said to her, why did you do that? And her answer was, because you told me to. And their answer to her was, but why? So what they were trying to get her to understand was this is a relationship in much the same way that we would look at a relationship between two human beings where one person was dominating the other and in control of all their actions. We'd look at that and go, oh, that's not healthy. Oh, she's in a controlling relationship. That's terrible. I think we have to be careful with these realms as well to ask ourselves, is it enhancing my life? And to study it. So what I did with channeling in the first few years was I wrote, I wrote so much. I asked questions about my life. I asked questions about the world at large. Um, what I was always looking for was, is this improving my life? And because it was, and because of my connection to it, I was like, okay, great. So I think different teachers are going to say different things. I met someone many, many years ago who also told me that channeling was dark and she fully believed it because her guru had said that it was true. So it just goes back to that thing that, you know, what do you think? What do you feel? Maybe that teacher on Instagram is saying exactly what you feel to be true. But it's always good whenever we've got a voice in the head going, well, they said this and they said this, you can kind of cut some of that noise by going, well, what do I feel today? And do I want to spend a lot of time on this or do I have a feeling that I'm going to go with? And if that feeling changes in time, I'm open to that. So that's my perspective on that question. Okay, my question to Lee. I've led a quiet home life for the past 20 years and have thrown myself full on back into a very challenging work environment at the junior high level. How do I merge my inner work with my outer professional world? It's a great question. And I think the question is, do you merge it? Or do you create a balance by not necessarily merging them? I'll explain what I mean. 
you've clearly chosen to go back into this challenging career for some reason. And either at some point you're going to go, oh, this isn't for me, this is too much, or you're going to learn to balance it. So it might be that your inner work and your inner life can infuse your outer world. So for example, you know, you're having a repetitive pattern or a dynamic at work in a relationship with somebody. If you've tried a few different things and it's still not changing, that's usually a kind of point where you go, okay, well, I've tried a few different things and it's not changing. But it's interesting how when we change how we behave, the other person tends to move with it too. So you could look at how can I bring more peace, joy, less stress into this environment because that's something that I've cultivated and maybe that's going to be my job that I'm supposed to, for the students, the teachers, the people I'm with, I'm supposed to see how can I bring less stress here for everybody or it might be that you just need to have a real boundary around that and if you really want to do this high stress, high powered job, you're going to have to be pretty rigid about your recovery time. So it's like, okay, I give this many hours to this and I really enjoy it, but then I need to be really quiet on a Saturday and I don't need to go and visit friends. So I think merging things is, is, is an interesting way of putting it, but sometimes I think we can have different compartments in our life. The question is always how balanced are the compartments of our life? And we'll know because we'll know how balanced we feel. Now, firstly, I don't think balance is the, you know, the easiest thing to achieve in, in our world today anyway. So, you know, don't give yourself a hard time if you don't feel the most balanced. But I think lack of balance is always a really good indicator for us that we can create more. So for you, it's either going to be having a very yin-yang life, high-powered, high-stress, very quiet recovery time. Or am I supposed to try and bring some of this into this environment and see what I can do? So good luck and I hope that helps. Is it possible for negative energy and thoughts from a significant other to affect the work we do on ourselves? If so, what are some tools we can use to counteract that energy? This is a great question. Okay, the reason this is a great question is because I don't think this is about you doing the work. Here's why. You said a significant other, so I'm assuming you either mean a partner um, or a, a marriage, or you maybe mean a very, very close person to you, someone who's very in your world and your life. Now, if they are experiencing negative thoughts and negative feelings towards you, it's not just going to be about how you transmute those internally, because that's going to be very hard. I'll give you an example now. I'm looking at you guys through this lens and my energy is a certain way. You know, I'm kind of open to your questions. We're having a relationship. But if I was like looking at you like this and I was pulsing that energy at the screen, I really hope you'd turn this video off. Like I think you go, oh God, I'm not watching this guy. So if you're in a relationship with a significant other, their negativity is going to be a problem long term unless you want to be half in the relationship. You go, okay, well, I, they're going to be negative, so I'm just going to have to pretend they don't exist at some level in order to get through this. And I'm just going to have to separate my life. That won't work. I think what's going to be really important for you is finding the middle ground where you 
bring this to their conscious attention. So if I was feeling that from a significant other, my first thing that I would do at this stage of my life and my development in relationships, I would say to them, are you okay with this story I'm telling you? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, well, you, you don't seem fine. You kind of seem, you, 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 yeah, you don't, you don't seem like you're enjoying this. You seem a bit angry. I would start calling them out on it because if I'm going to be close to that person, their energy field is going to affect me. And it's fine if someone's having a bad day and they go, oh, I'm just having a, okay, great, now I understand. So you don't need to always personalize it. But if this person is close to you and you're feeling all this negativity in their thoughts or their emotions, you either want to help them to see what they're pulsing out and see if they were just completely unconscious and they've just got used to being this way and actually they're struggling maybe or they need some help or they might start talking to you about how they're feeling because their feelings can now be in the room versus aimed at you through resentment or judgment which is always our resentment and our judgment is always a place that we've clamped on our heart we're feeling something that isn't comfortable so we're kind of aiming it out or we're pointing the fingers. You know, there's a place that we're clamped, that we're triggered. Perhaps for you, there's going to be a boundary that you need to put in place because this isn't going to be good for you to be around this. So if you're choosing to stay in this relationship or in this marriage or whatever it is, uh, you might just need to say to them, I love you, I want to be with you, but I find it really difficult when you're feeling this way towards me. It doesn't feel doesn't feel good to me and I, I don't bring that to you. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to see you for an hour a day or I'm just going to, you know, put a boundary in so that you're not being brought down or affected by them. And if they want to be combative around that or fight you, you might need to just really look at, wow, this is my significant other. Why? What is it that I'm staying here for? If they're not willing to see that the way that they're coming towards you and the energy they're bringing towards you, if they don't care about you, enough to consider that something that they're doing is throwing you or causing you distress. That's a little concerning in a close intimate relationship because any close intimate relationship that's that imbalanced, you're also giving your power away. You're going, oh, I'll just suffer this. I'll just tolerate this. I'll do a few more love and lights inside to try and bypass it. And you won't bypass it if the person doesn't transform. So. I would definitely bring it up and I would definitely rep repetitively bring it up whenever you feel it. And you know, if it makes them fight, then you're in a fight about the relationship. But you might be surprised. It might be that they're completely unaware. A lot of people, and we all have these moments where you're not aware of what you're pulsing out. But I think for you to try and just internalize what's in the room and try and do all the energy work it's forgetting that there is another person there with feelings and there's a mismatch going on. And so it's better to address the mismatch than for you to try and counterbalance the mismatch by bending, twisting and shaping yourself so that you can make it all okay because you won't make it all okay by yourself, not in a significant relationship. Thank you. I'd love to ask Lee and the Z's about the commercialization of storytelling in the world of business. Is it mostly exploitative and inauthentic, or can stories really be used to promote a business in an enlightened and helpful manner? Well, 
Well, I think that's a great question. Um, are the stories being used in an exploitative and inauthentic way, or are the stories authentic? Um, I totally understand what you mean because um, you see this out there. You know, I, I don't know about you, but if I get an email from somebody's newsletter or if I see a certain video and I feel, I can feel the manipulation in it. I can feel when someone is strategically doing something versus when someone is doing something and their heart's involved. And I'm a person who responds to heart energy. However, there are many others who wouldn't respond to heart energy in the way I would. They would respond to strategy. They would, we're all different. So I think like anything, the business world, you know, an idea happens or like, I know storytelling has been a very popular thing in the last few years. Um, certainly in the business training world, I've seen that going round. And I think it's all about, can you embody the strategy or not? I remember many years ago, we worked with somebody for a period of months. And he, uh, he was someone that we brought in to, I was looking to grow a few things that we were doing and he was recommended to me, so I brought him in. And he asked me to do something that felt so not me and not authentic. And I tried it and I did a, a video trailer for a product that we had coming out and I did the strategy way to talk about the course that we were doing. And I did it for him because he asked me to and immediately I was like, we are not using that. That's, that didn't feel true to me. So the thing is, I think if you are in resonance with what you are doing and the way that you are bringing energy to your work or your business, then that resonance will attract other people and that's all we need to do. There are many things that I've met people doing going, oh, I'm doing this because this will get me more followers or this will, but you can see they're not, they're not in what they're doing. So there are many things that I have said no to over the years because they don't feel true. And I would rather that what we do feels true and we grow organically and we grow through resonance than some of the you know levers you can pull that can create that kind of growth. So what it tells me about your question is that you don't want to do anything that's inauthentic. So tell a story when you have a story and when you can see that that story intersects with something you're doing and it naturally comes through and out of you, I think that's great. But you can smell when somebody is strategizing uh, something that they're doing. And, and I would say to you, if, if you have that reaction like I do, then you're not gonna want to do it in your own business because why would you relate to that? So why would anyone who connects with you relate to it either? So, you know, the business world, like any aspect of our world, like humanity at large, there are gonna be things that are inauthentic and exploitative and things that are authentic. So I think it's all about how you, how you infuse the strategy or how you infuse the tool. Uh, and that's what we resonate with more than anything. So that would be my advice on that. How does humanity tackle the greatest lie of all? We are one human race with various cultural beliefs, stories, ideologies that serve to separate rather than connect. How do we embrace the positive aspects of cultural identity while honoring the fact that we are all human? Please advise. Well, that's not a challenging question. Um, you know, here's how I see it. I will say that I, I feel for myself, 
um, I got way more comfortable on this planet as someone who is intuitive and sensitive, as well as, you know, human and all the other stuff that we all are, um, when I accepted that the, the, this planet has suffering. I was fighting that for years. I was fighting my own suffering. I was fighting the suffering in the world, didn't want to see it, didn't want to feel it, wanted to do what I could to try and alleviate it. And actually for me, the, the, the true power in my own life and my own human journey of healing and my work in the world went up as soon as I really just allowed myself to accept there is dark and light, there is suffering and joy, that the whole shebang is here on earth. That acceptance allowed me to stop trying to fight what I didn't like and generate what I wanted to generate more of, the things that I resonated with, the things that I was drawn to, how can I generate more of those in my personal life and in, in the work I do? And I feel like your question is really the same kind of thing. At a soul level or at a higher self level, the human world looks insane. You know, you look at it and you go, what the hell is going on down here? But what the, the Z's would say is they would say, you chose to incarnate. You chose to come down into this human experience and to bring as much soul and light as you can, but also to go through all the human ancestral healing that we go through as we find ourselves in one of those cultures or watching what's going on right now in the world around cultural wars and racism and sexism and all of the stuff that we have that just seems absolutely nuts when you look at it from a spiritual perspective, but it's here and we're all in it. So what I would say is, you know, to be mindful of the awareness of that, but also to go, okay, I have a short time here. Even if you live for a hundred years, it's still not that long in terms of human history in this lifetime. So what do I want to do? What do I want to bring? What do I want to stand for? And you won't do it every day and you won't always feel balanced every day. Of course, there's going to be days that are up and down. But what do you want to bring? You're recognizing some of the problems. So it sounds to me like you want to stand for unity. And let's be honest, all that stuff disappears when two people look each other in the eyes and love each other, support each other, help each other. I'm always struck by the, the thousands of stories that you hear whenever there is a disaster in an area of how everyone rallies around to help each other because all of that stuff disappears and people just connect and help each other. So, you know, I always, I, I really do believe that, you know, 90 plus percent of the people on this planet, they want to connect with others, they want to experience love, they want to feel seen and heard, they want to have a good experience. And so I try and stay focused on that in terms of, okay, where can I go next without denying the other stuff? So I hope that helps and thank you for the question. And now we come to our final question of the day. So my question is, after drinking plant medicine three years ago and becoming conscious for the first time ever, I was led to give up my successful catering business. I did so believing I would naturally be led to the next part of my journey. But three years later, and inheritance almost gone, I still have no idea. Any pointing would be much appreciated, Kimberly. Okay, well, 
Firstly, fantastic you had an inheritance to kind of fall back on and have this experience, this experiment. Here's what I've witnessed, and I've also done it, by the way. There comes a point when we have a big awakening or an epiphany at a workshop or a spiritual healing session that opens us, and there can be a feeling for a while of invincibility, everything's amazing, because you are in the awakening realms but it doesn't always translate to the human realms and it often doesn't translate to the human realms overnight. So your story is incredibly common. Not necessarily the plant medicine because not everybody will come to it through that. Other people come to it through other ways. But this visionary feeling and this euphoria of, oh my God, I see what I need to do with my life and I'm just gonna do it. I call it jumping out of the plane without a parachute. I did it many times and I'm unscathed. I'm, I, you know, I live to tell the tale, but I have many stories like yours of things that I thought were gonna work or, oh, well, this must be true because I had a vision about it. So then I assumed that everything was gonna line up on the human level. So, you know, you haven't done anything wrong and you've had a journey and an experience that for some reason you felt to initiate. We don't yet know what the importance of that moment was. You might know in two or three years, you might look back and go, oh, if I hadn't have done that, it wouldn't have led to this or that. But I think the crisis of faith that you're having is also common. It's like, well, hang on a second. I followed the vision and look what's happening now. A vision is not in your body. It's why I always say to visionaries and people who work with intuition, keep checking your vision. Like your vision will update as you will. And the vision isn't running your life all by itself, we have to pay attention on the grounded level to what do we need next? And I always advise if you can, let's say you're like, oh my God, I need to leave my corporate job and become a sound healer. There can be a tendency in the body to go, oh God, I just wanna get out of that job. I've hated it for years. I just, I'm just gonna pull the plug and it's all gonna be fine. And I always say, if you can, unless you've got some money behind you I would just see if you can you know, spend a few months crossing over so that you don't cause stress in the area of life that is currently supporting you while you're trying to birth this new vision. So in your case, you, know, you didn't need to. It sounds like you had some means behind you that you were able to support this. But what I would say to you is how can you ground the desire behind this new business in your life now. So perhaps it isn't working out the way you thought it would look, but ask yourself, why was this feeling so good to me? What were the feelings you thought you were gonna get from this work? And what were the things, the gifts that you were going to offer to others through this work? And really get granular about what was underneath this vision and then see how you can start to activate that in small ways in your life. So for example, maybe it was well, I'm gonna bring conscious food to people. Okay, well, have you thought about writing an article or doing a short video? Or there will be other ways that you can bring this mission and this vision into your life in perhaps smaller, more achievable ways right now. And you never know, that original vision might come back in two or three years, but what your life is showing you right now is there aren't enough foundational pieces of that vision that you were trying to create. It didn't all just magically happen. So now at the human level, you get to review the vision, check that it's still aligned. Like if you were to start again today, what would you do differently? And to start to put the support in your life that you're gonna need. So for example, what skills do you have that could perhaps bring in an income 
that you might enjoy doing part-time while you're building this. So rather than panicking or questioning the universe, accept where you found yourself and ask yourself, okay, if I were to rebuild the map today, what am I going to do? So I hope that helps and good luck. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in for the Ask Me Anything episode. As I said, we will do plenty more of these as we go through the rest of the year. So if you do have a question you would like me to address, you can do that by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a review, and in the review, pop a question at the end. And then when we do the next show, we'll go through the reviews and we'll pull out the best questions that we can find that will hopefully give us a conversation. But in the meantime, we'll see you next week on Impact the World. Thanks for tuning in and big love. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Impact the World. And if you want to go deeper and more in depth with my work, you should check out my members group, The Portal. You can find it at my website, leeharrisenergy.com or visit theportal.world. Mm -hmm.